appreciate everyone's presence here today. We've got a good number with us this morning. We really appreciate that. Got uh, Smiths are with us, uh, worshiped with us regularly for uh, a few years. They're back uh, visiting, passing through. We're good to see them. I uh, really appreciate them stopping in and being with us today. Of course, we've got some, I think, that may be out of town, some uh, struggling with sickness. We've got some who have COVID, uh, but uh, for the most part, uh, I think things are going well for people and uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate that. We've got, recently had good reports from uh, doctors with Kristen Allen and Brother Larry had good report. We're very thankful for that. I'll mention that next week, uh, begin our gospel meeting with Steve Ramsey. It'll be February the 6th. We'll go through Thursday night, uh, just regular times on Sunday. Uh, middle school on up, we'll meet out here on Sunday morning Bible class hours, we usually do. And then uh, 7 p.m. Each, uh, each, each weekday, Monday through Thursday. Got some announcements. You can take as many as you want, hand them out to your friends. Uh, it has sermon titles on the announcement, and so uh, feel free to take those. We can always make more if we need them. We uh, want to remind everybody of that. If you will this morning, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 3. Deuteronomy chapter 3. We're going to begin there. I got a couple of things I want to show you as, as we begin. Got a red rubber ball here. It's just an ordinary ball. It's not smooth. It's kind of bumpy on the surface. But there's not anything really unusual about it. It's very typical. Guess they probably come a dime or a dime or a dozen. Now, I can make a couple of points with this ball. One, one might be a, a point about free will. I can either throw the ball or not throw the ball. That's, that's my choice, isn't it? I can choose to throw it, or I can choose to put, just put it down and, and not throw it. I can do either one. I think I'm going to choose to throw it. Ben, you're going to catch it? How about now? Am I free not to throw the ball now? Can I choose not to throw it? No. What's done is done. I can't go back and not throw the ball. Once you throw the ball, the, the ball is thrown. And it may be that at times I wish maybe I could go back and not throw the ball, but I've already thrown the ball. And so that, that action has been done. I've got another, another little prop here. Assuming that this works, <laughs> I can either light it or not light it. Now I've got that choice. I can do either one. I can choose to pull the trigger and, and light it, or I can choose just to put it down and, and put it away and not light it. Assuming that it works. There we go. Now, am I free not to light it now? No. Once I, once I lit it, it was lit. I can't go back and undo it. As much as I might want to, what's, what's done is done. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 3. Just keep those things in mind. So we look at Deuteronomy chapter 3, and maybe I can tie all this together. The book of Deuteronomy is an important book in the Bible. I say it kind of lays the track that the rest of the Old Testament runs on. And so it talks about the king and the duties of the king and the obedience of the people and what will happen if they obey, what will happen if they don't obey. And then as we go through the Old Testament, we find those kinds of things coming to pass or not coming to pass. And so it sort of lays the track for 
the historical books, especially of the Old Testament. We, we may not study it as much as, uh, as we should, but uh, it's an important book in the Bible. In the very first part of, of the book of Deuteronomy, we read about sort of a review of the history of God's people. So God is telling the Israelites as they're about to go into the land of Canaan, this is Moses speaking to them as they're about to go in, Jesus is reminding them of the relationship that they had, what He has done for them, and the good things that He's provided for them, and the binding of them together in a covenant with Him. And so he talks about their blessings and what he's provided for them, how he's given them food and water and defeated their enemies and enabled them to overcome. And now, and now they're on the brink of passing over into the promised land. And he tells them at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28 especially, now if you obey me, these are the great blessings that you're going to receive. But if you disobey me, well then uh, these are the curses that are going to come on you. And so we're in that first part of Deuteronomy today looking at the history between God and His people, what He's done for them and how they ought to be bound to Him and, and follow Him and obey Him. He reminds Israel that God had enabled them to defeat two kings, Sihon and Og. He recalls how they took possession of the land east of the Jordan where Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh would settle. He tells Joshua, as Joshua is about to take over the leadership of Israel from Moses, not to be afraid, but to serve God. And, and God would enable him to lead the people. Look at verse 21. I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So the Lord shall do to all the kingdoms into which you are about to cross. Do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one who's fighting for you. And so they're just about to go across Cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, and the Lord is going to fight for them. Now that brings us then to verse 23. I also pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Let me, I pray cross over and see the fair land that is beyond the Jordan, that good hill country in Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, Enough! Speak to me no more of this matter. Go to the top of Pisgah, lift your eyes to the west and north and south and east, and see it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan." What in the world is going on there? <laughs> Here's Mo Moses, the leader of God's people. He's been leading them for 40 years. And he's come right to the threshold of the promised land. And, and he says, I, I pleaded with the Lord that He would let me cross over. And you can imagine how, how strong the desire in Moses must have been to cross over the Jordan into that land. <laughs> I pleaded with the Lord, please, let me cross over. And the Lord said, no, in fact, I've heard enough of it. Don't talk to me about it anymore. Maybe you've talked to your children that way. No more. E enough. The answer is no. Well, what, what happened? Well, that takes us back to Numbers chapter 20 and to the episode at Meribah. Let's, let's go back there. Numbers chapter 20. 
In Numbers chapter 20, we find the people grumbling because they didn't have enough water. They didn't have water to drink. And so that's verse 2. There was no water for the congregation. They had assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. And the people thus contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why then have you brought the Lord's assembly into the wilderness for us and our beasts to die here? You've made us come up out of Egypt to this wretched place. We're dying of thirst. Why'd you do this? And so, and so they're grumbling and complaining really about the Lord's provision that they don't have enough, they don't have enough water to drink. Now they've done this many times before. If you go back to Exodus chapter 15, and this is uh, remarkable in my view anyway, they've, they've just passed through the Red Sea in chapter 14. And then in chapter 15, they're grumbling and complaining because they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Can you imagine that? Passing through the Red Sea, here's a wall of water on each side, the cloud is above, and you're walking through, and then just briefly after that, you're complaining about the Lord's provision. That's, uh, that's pretty hard-hearted, isn't it? Well, here in Numbers 20, they're complaining against. More than just complaining, it seems, in this particular case. They're, they're striving. They're, they're arguing with Moses. They're, they're contending with Moses about the lack of water. And so there's a real intensity in their complaint about, about their situation. And so God tells Moses what to do. Verse 8. Take the rod... And you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation and speak to the rock before their eyes that it may yield its water. You shall thus bring forth water for them out of the rock and let the congregation and their beasts drink. I'll tell you what to do. Take your rod, the same rod that he used, holding it over the Red Sea and this water's parted, the same rod that he'd had when he went down into Egypt. Take your rod and go to the rock and speak to the rock and bring water out of the rock for the people and, and the congregation. Now something like that had happened before as well. Go back to Exodus chapter 17. That's a very similar situation. Exodus chapter 17, the people are complaining about not having enough water. And so the Lord tells them what to do. And so let's pick up reading in, uh, in verse 4. Moses cried out to the Lord saying, What shall I do to this people? A little more, and they're, they're going to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass before the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel, take in your hand your staff with which you struck the Nile, turned it into blood, you remember. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And so something very similar. People don't have enough water. They're complaining about it. Moses appeals to the Lord. The Lord says, take your rod and strike the rock. He does it. Strikes the rock and water comes out of it. Now there, there's one important difference here between Exodus 17 and Numbers chapter 20. Let's go back to Numbers chapter 20 and pick up on, on the difference. Verse 8. God says, take the rod... And you and your brother Aaron assemble the congregation, speak to the rock before their eyes. You see the difference? In Exodus 17, strike the rock with your rod, your staff. Here in Numbers 20, speak to the rock, speak to the rock, and say anything about striking the rock, speak to the rock, and God would provide water from it. And they could drink and they could give their animals water to drink.
Look at verse 9 of Numbers 20. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord just as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly before the rock. And, and he said to them, Listen now, you rebels, shall we bring forth water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. Water came forth abundantly, and the congregation and their beasts drank. Now God said, Speak to the rock. Do the same thing about striking the rock. Now, on a previous occasion, he had told him to strike the rock, but not on this occasion. Speak to the rock. Moses speaks to the people and strikes the rock with his rod. Now, God, in his gracious provision, gives them water out of the rock and, and they drank. But look at verse 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you've not believed me, to treat me as holy in the sight of the sons of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. That's what's going on here in, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 3. I don't know exactly when this was during the wilderness period, that 40 years of wandering, but there must have been several years after this occasion, after this episode, when Moses would plead with the Lord... Please let me go over into the land. Please let me go. I'm sorry for what I did. Forgive me. <laughs> let me go into the land. And finally God says, okay, enough. Enough. You're not going across over into the land, and I don't want to hear any more about it. In Numbers, uh, Numbers chapter 20, notice a couple of things about this account. Notice Moses' words here in Numbers chapter 20. And... Uh, and in verse 10, listen now, you rebels, shall we bring forth water out of this rock? He's talking about himself and, and Aaron. Shall we bring water out of this rock? He speaks as if he and Aaron had the ability to provide water from the rock. No doubt he's speaking impulsively out of frustration and aggravation with the people but he speaks as if he, he and Aaron had the ability to provide the water. Shall we bring water out of this rock? And then notice Moses' action. He strikes the rock twice with his rod. He had done that before, but that's not what God told him to do on this occasion. And then God's response was, Moses, you didn't believe me. Or uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people. Moses should have told the people to believe, to put their confidence in God and trust Him to provide water. Instead, he put the focus on himself and Aaron. Instead of God, shall we bring you forth? He should have said, stand back and watch what God is going to provide. <laughs> now, Moses had done that before. Again, if you go back to the book of Exodus chapter 14, this is just before they crossed through the Red Sea, verse 13. Of Exodus 14, Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which He'll accomplish for you today. That's what He should have done at the rock. You just stand back and watch what the Lord's going to provide. But instead, He didn't give God the glory. He put the attention on Himself. He didn't put His confidence in God. It's almost as if we're going to bring you water out of this rock. And so Moses is not allowed to lead the people into the land. One of the saddest scenes in the Bible, <laughs> in my estimation, is De Deuteronomy chapter 34. Last chapter of Deuteronomy, Moses goes up into the land and 
He looks across how, 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 he, how he must have wished. I, I wish I hadn't thrown the ball. How I wish I hadn't thrown the ball. He couldn't go back and unthrow it though, could he? How I wish that I hadn't lit that flame. Oh, I wish I could take that back. How I wish I could go over. See, once you do it, you can't undo it. Once it's done, it's done. Well, let's just make some observations about all of this in the time that we've got left. First of all, we want to make the point that we may live with the consequences of our actions for a long, long time, maybe even for a lifetime. That doesn't mean that we won't be forgiven of our sin. We can be forgiven of our sin. Moses was forgiven of his sin. How, how do I know that? Well, Moses' relationship with the Lord continued. Moses continued to be the leader of God's people. Uh, the, the, the Lord gives the, the law through Moses. Um, uh, we, in the New Testament, we find Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. In the book of Revelation, they're singing the song of Moses and the Lamb. And so Moses' relationship with God was continued to be good. God had a wonderful relationship with Moses, but the consequences of his sin were not removed. Forgiven, yes. The consequences, some of the consequences at least, not forgiven. Now Moses isn't unique in this. There are other Bible figures where this is true. Now David is the one that comes immediately to mind. David, in a moment of weakness perhaps, moment of temptation, commits adultery with Bathsheba, has a child, she conceives, she has a child, but one of the consequences of his sin was that that child would die. There are other consequences to that sin as well that, that were not taken away. Now David was forgiven, but he suffered long-term consequences of his sin. That's that's true of us as well sometimes. When we think about, about these situations. Maybe you've heard in the news lately about a young NFL player who uh, got drunk one night. Apparently, this is the report, got in his car. Now, all his life, he wanted to be an NFL player. Worked hard for it, went to college, went through all the practices and the workouts and getting yelled out by his coaches and all the training and hardship and all. Finally, he's made it. He's made it to the NFL. He's, he's playing in the NFL. It gets drunk one night, gets in his car, crashes it, kills somebody. His, his career's over. <laughs> you see his picture on the news and he just... Looks so forlorn. Why, why is that? One night of drunkenness. Now, he might have drunk more than that but throughout his life, but, but in that one night, he made some very serious errors and mistakes. And once those things are done, you, you can't go back and undo them. No matter how much you wish you could, no matter how often you think, if I could only go back and undo that, I wouldn't do it like that. I wouldn't do it the same way. Now, Going to suffer the consequences of our actions sometimes for a long, long time. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1 that wine is a mocker. What does that mean, wine is a mocker? Well, if you mock somebody, you're going to make fun of them. You're going to ridicule them. You're going to make a fool out of them. Wine will make a fool out of you. <laughs> you know, wine is going to mock you. It has contempt for you. It's going to hold you up to ridicule. And so, look, don't, don't get mixed up with it. 
In Proverbs 23, in verse 29, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has contentions, who has complaining, who has wounds without cause, who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long over wine, those who go to taste mixed wine. And so, this, <laughs> well, you know, everybody that drinks doesn't have a problem. I understand that. Of course, everybody who has a revolver and puts one bullet in the chamber and spins it and shoots it doesn't injure themselves or worse. That's about what we're doing. We're playing Russian roulette when we get mixed up with, with alcohol. Think of all the ruined lives, the addiction, the ruined relationships, the abuse, the injury and death to others, heartbreak, despair, sorrow. Those are consequences that don't go away. Now you can be forgiven, but those are consequences that, that don't go away. And so you need to think about that. Before you throw that ball, you need to think about that. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 27 there, the writer uh, talks about uh, a person who becomes involved with, uh, with, a, with a harlot or an adulterous woman. In verse 24, to keep you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteries, do not desire her beauty in your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. He's going to go on and talk about the consequences of doing that. Verse 27, can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? He's talking about the very thing we're talking about. You're going to suffer the consequences of your actions. Can you take fire into your bosom and your clothes not be burned? No, you're going to suffer the consequences. Verse 28, can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Well, well, of course not. Verse 32, the one who commits adultery with a woman is lacking sense. He who would destroy himself does it. Wounds and disgrace he will find. His reproach will not be blotted out. Jealousy enrages a man and he will not spare in the day of vengeance. Again, verse 32, the one who commits adultery with a woman is is lacking sense. If you turn over to chapter 7 and verse 22, it talks about this idea again of, of following a woman of questionable character, following her to commit adultery. In verse 22, suddenly he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool. As an ox goes to the slaughter. That's just the way men are. <laughs> you know, you know. They're, they're tempted and they lose all sense. It's just like an ox to the slaughter. It's not, just, it's not just true of men, of course, is it? You better think about that before you light that flame. You better think about what the consequences of your actions are going to be. Maybe that you suffer the consequences of those for a long, long time. Think about all the consequences that a person experiences because of unscriptural sexual behavior, the damage that people do to themselves and others, the disappointment, the guilt, the shame, the unwarranted pregnancy and abortion, disease, broken relationships and homes and marriages, mental anguish inflicted on spouse and children. Again, consequences that will not go away. Judas experienced consequences as well. Remember, Judas, because of his greed, agreed to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Now, John chapter 12 and verse 6 tells us that, that Judas was a greedy kind of man. He, he was the one that kept the bag for the, that group of disciples. They had a sort of a common store, common treasury, and they'd put money into it. And Jesus, Judas would, would take money out of it for himself, sort of a, a petty thief, very greedy man. And so for 30 pieces of silver, 
he betrays the Lord and uh, turns him over to, to those who would do, do him harm. But once he realizes, once Judas realizes what he had done, that he had betrayed a righteous and innocent man. You know what he tried to do? He tried to unthrow the ball, didn't he? <laughs> he couldn't do it. Tried to give the money back and, you know, the deed, the deed was done. Of course, the way he handles it was not the right way. He went out and hanged himself. But, but see, he, he felt the consequences of his actions. Need to think. Need to think before we act. The pressure to be like those around us sometimes causes us to make serious errors. Peter compromised when those around him pressured him. Remember, he found himself with those who were opposed to Jesus. Uh, there at the trial of Jesus, he's sitting among them. They put the pressure on him. He denies that he knows the Lord. And then he curses and swears that he doesn't know him. And finally, of course, you remember how that story ends, that the cock crows. Jesus turns and looks at Peter, and Peter's... His eyes meet the Lord's, and he goes out and weeps bitterly. He, he's feeling the consequences of his actions. Better think. You better think before we act. Saying, I'm sorry. No doubt Moses many times said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I did that. Saying, I'm sorry, doesn't always make all the consequences go away. Perhaps after the fruit of repentance is brought forth, reparations can be made, but... Not even then, in some circumstances, Moses and David illustrate the point. Here Moses, many times, no doubt, besought the Lord, please let me go into the land. And the Lord said, no. Now he's forgiven. Continued to be the leader of God's people. Good relationship with the Lord. But the consequence was not being allowed to enter into the land, no matter how much he wanted to. All right, got a couple other points to make. Our time really is, is just about out. Got away from me pretty quickly this morning. Even the strong can make serious errors. You know, Moses isn't a, a half-hearted uh, person who's half-hearted in his commitment to God. He's not a person of questionable character. He's not an Ahab or a Manasseh. Or a Manasseh. He's not even a, a King Saul. You know, Saul's sort of somewhere in between fully committed and not committed at all. Now, Moses is, is fully committed. He's an outstanding man of faith in God and faithfulness. He is faithful in all his father's house as a servant. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 5, chosen to lead God's people. He among uh, the prophets is the only one with whom God spoke face to face. Numbers 12 verses 7 and 8. He's the meekest man on the face of the earth. Numbers 12 and verse 3. He's the lawgiver. He appears at the Mount of Transfiguration. Noted for his outstanding faith in Hebrews 11. He's a strong man, but he makes a grievous error. He's not the only one. David makes multiple errors. Abraham lied about his wife. Noah gets drunk. And, and so it's, it's, it's not unheard of. He's not the only one. Sometimes strong people make serious errors. We may know men and women, strong Christians, so we thought, Preachers, elders, deacons, strong Christian women find themselves in trouble because of lap lapses of judgment. Now God forgives them, but their ability to lead is compromised. Their influence is compromised. Their good name is compromised. So sometimes the consequences can be severe, not only to themselves, but to others, their family, their spouses, children, even churches. 
Maybe you've known of a situation where a leader in the church finds himself lapsed in judgment, finds himself in trouble, and that has a really devastating detrimental effect on the entire congregation. Need to be careful. Need to think about what we're doing before we do it. When we get to the point that we think we're not vulnerable, I'm too strong, that doesn't tempt me, I don't have a problem with that, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Just need to be careful. Beware of acting impulsively. I have no doubt Moses acted impulsively. In fact, in Psalm 106, verses 32 and 33, he spoke rashly with his lips. And, and, and so, I, you know, I can, I can see this scene. We probably all have something of the same kind of idea in our mind. Moses gets caught up in the situation. He'd be dealing with these people. They're hard-headed. They're complainers. And he just gets caught up in the moment and, and acts impulsively but makes a grievous error. All of us act impulsively at times due to anger or frustration. Our patience just runs out. We get caught unprepared in a moment of weakness, and we act, act impulsively. Some of us more prone to that than others. Some of us are, are kind of given more to being slow and making deliberate decisions. And, and then some of us are, we're prone just to act without thinking things through or speak without thinking about what we're going to say. And we do and say things that damage ourselves and others. Be careful about acting impulsively. What can we do? We can recognize the problem in ourselves. I can, I can recognize that problem. I have a problem acting impulsively without thinking things through. I have a problem speaking before I think about it. So recognize the problem. Prepare ahead of time for the challenge. Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, Daniel set his heart, even before he was tempted, he made a decision, I'm not going to eat the king's food. And so think ahead of time. Prepare for the coming challenge. Make no provision for the flesh, Romans 13 and verse 14. When do you make provisions? Do you make provisions before the event or after the event? We make provisions before the event. Don't make provisions for the flesh. Before the, our flesh is tempted, don't you know, don't set yourself up for failure. Instead, make provisions to succeed and to resist the temptation. Don't put yourself in a position where the flesh will be easily tempted and you yield to the temptation. Think ahead of time and make plans not to be in that kind of situation. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Ephesians 4 and verse 27 said in connection with anger, don't give the devil an opportunity. Know yourself Know your weaknesses. Make preparation. Put on the whole armor of God. And then learn from previous mistakes. You know, that's a, a, a wise person you know, thinks, about, thinks about himself and thinks about previous mistakes he's, he's made and things that have done, he's done, you know, wise choices that he's made as well. Learn from your mistakes. Don't make them second, third, fourth time. You know, somebody has said... It takes a lifetime to build a reputation. You, you're familiar with that saying? It takes a lifetime to build a reputation, but only a moment to ruin it. It's true, isn't it? It takes a lifetime to build a reputation. One moment, it can all be ruined. And so let's count the cost before we speak or before we act. 
And then finally, Moses didn't allow his errors to prevent him from doing his duty. So we've said before, Moses' relationship with God was not just broken off and, and irreparable because of this. He continued to be the divinely appointed leader of Israel. He continued to carry out his duties as leader of Israel. We would say he was forgiven and restored. He still suffered some consequences, lifelong consequences, but he continued to do his work. David continued to be king. Peter continued to be an apostle. Sometimes a person can be so overcome and discouraged by his error that he becomes inactive. Now recall the situation in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 where a man had committed sin, the church had dealt with it, and now Paul says, forgive him and comfort him, otherwise such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Forgive him. Restore him. Continue to work with him. Don't, don't oppress him and put him down. You're going to discourage him, and he'll be overcome with his sorrow. And so the church must forgive and encourage and restore such a one. The transgressor needs to use his abilities. Yes, I've made errors. I've made mistakes. I'm going to put that behind me. I've acknowledged that. I've confessed that to God. I still have some abilities and resources. And whatever opportunity I have, I want to use those for the Lord's cause. And so, here's the, please let me cross over. Moses must have, uh, must have made that appeal many times, but the answer was no. He's going to have to live with the consequences of his actions for a long time. He's strong, but he makes mistakes. Made them impulsively, perhaps, but made them nonetheless. Let that be a warning to us. And let's be encouraged to continue to use our abilities. After all is said and done, Moses was forgiven. Again, no question about Moses' relationship with God, even after the incident at Meribah. And so he was forgiven. May not be able to go into the land of Canaan, but he was able to be with the Lord. Remember Mount of Transfiguration? Moses and Elijah appearing in glory with the Lord. And so, yeah, we may suffer some consequences, but just remember, if we do, they're only temporary. That when we will be at home with the Lord, we'll be perfectly satisfied and content. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for this opportunity to come together and to worship. We pray that, Father, our efforts today have been well-pleasing to you. We're thankful that we're able to look into your word, that we can find uh, inspiration there, and we, we can find motivation there. We can find the information that we need. We can find the warnings that we need. Father, we pray that you'll help us today consider uh, our actions before we act, to think of the consequences that may come to us as a result of our actions. And, and, and Father, we ask you to help us make wise decisions, decisions that are beneficial to us, to those around us, but especially decisions that bring honor and glory to you. Help us, Father, to walk in the way of Christ, to, to follow the path in, that you would have to have us to go in. We know, Father, that that path will lead us to eternal life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today, you're not a, not a Christian, you're not a child of God.